Hi, my name is Alan, I'm a business designer, and welcome to the Beyond Users podcast, where we learn about business to become better designers. In this very special episode, I spoke with Eric Quint. So Eric is a Vice President, Chief Brand and Design Officer at 3M, a Fortune 500 company with over $30 billion in revenue and 90,000 employees. So 3M is a company that's very famous for its creativity, coming up with great products, and I think most of us know it maybe because of the post-its or adhesive tapes, but they do much more. So they have a safety business, so they create safety products, electronics, healthcare products, etc. So it's a huge conglomerate creating many different products in many different verticals and many different industries. So Eric is an industrial designer by training, and he joined 3M in 2013 to basically design the design function. So he grew the design team substantially, built a revolutionary 3M design center, which basically acts like an incubator for collaborative creativity. And he also helped build the brand platform that catapulted 3M's brand value among world's top 100 brands. In this episode, we talked about why designers should stop measuring the value of design. And this is something we talk about a lot, so how can we show our worth And Eric actually shows us an alternative path to showing our value. We also talk about what it takes to become a chief designer officer and what does one do when they become a chief designer officer and why designers need studios as much as scientists need laboratories. If you also want to become a chief designer officer one day, one thing you will need is business literacy, the fundamental understanding of how businesses work. So if you want to get that, one way to do it is to join us in the DMBA. So the next DMBA cohort is actually starting on February 24th, and we opened applications just a few weeks back. So if you're interested in raising your business literacy, you can check out beyondusers.com slash DMBA and apply on beyondusers.com slash apply. So that's everything in the introduction. And now enjoy this super interesting conversation with Eric Quint. Cool. So Eric, first of all, thanks for taking the time. There's a lot of buzz around um, designers having a seat at the table and you being a chief designer officer at 3M uh, is a very rare opportunity to speak to someone who has this proverbial seat at the table. So can you share with us a little bit more what does a um, chief designer officer do in a company? Yeah, it, uh, it's a pleasure, uh, Alan, to be at uh, the podcast and uh, I'm, I'm happy to share some of my experiences uh, in your question, there's actually two questions in there. One is about the seat at the table, and the other one is about uh, being a design leader uh, uh, in, a, in a big enterprise. Uh, I think uh, a seat at the table is maybe not enough. Uh, you can have a seat at the table, but if you are not um, and, you know, um, uh, taking the opportunity to, uh, to drive with passion and influence, then uh, maybe that seat at the table is not very effective. Uh, so, uh, so I think uh, you need to be equipped to uh, to uh, have a seat at the table that is um, is is effective, and the other one is uh, you need to be invited uh, at the table in, in many cases, or, or invite yourself. So, um, in 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 that uh, sense, I refer to uh, adding design to a big company is an inclusion uh, uh, challenge. And so we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion, and uh, and I think. Um, in many cases, big companies talk about this in the context of uh, what I call uh, uh, diversity and inclusion in appearance. 
And I'd like to open up this in the context of uh, diversity and inclusion in thought. And so what designers bring to many companies, and particularly if it is a technology company, uh, you see that we bring another uh, outside-in thinking uh, and uh, anyhow another kind of thinking that is uh, very much driven by empathy and by uh, the, uh, the, the stakeholders that we work for. And, uh, and so in that sense, we bring an, a new perspective, uh, hopefully, to the table. Uh, and, uh, but there needs to be a, a space at the table as well uh, to speak up and to, uh, to be um, say influential. Uh, the other side of the question was about uh, what does it mean to be an, a chief design officer at a big company? And uh, if you think about that, uh, I will always refer to, uh, to, to a few things. Uh, first of all, um, a design leader, uh, and the way I describe my design officer's role, is that I have to design the function of design. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, that means that I have to... Um, make sure that like any other function like HR or legal or uh, um, R&D, you have to define that function in terms of taxonomy, in terms of process methods and tools, uh, in terms of uh, your strategic uh, growth ambitions, uh, and in terms of integration. Um, um, uh, so, so that means that that, that function needs to be designed. Um, the other thing is uh, another big topic, uh, which is what I refer to as design the company. As a design leader, you uh, you are uh, in charge uh, to uh, to influence uh, the, the brand and the customer experience. Uh, I always say that uh, great brands are never made by coincidence. They are carefully curated and uh, and cu created. And that means if you think about a brand, all the touch points that uh, that will interact with customers and st and stakeholders in general. They, uh, they need to be designed one way or another, and you want to make sure that this is done uh, in an orchestrated way. So that is where the, the role of uh, designing the company comes in. And then the third part is you need to educate a lot about design. So uh, you cannot assume that uh, people who never uh, been exposed to design and creativity, that they know about the, uh, the added value of it. And so I always use here an, uh, a concept that I refer to as the three A's. First of all, you need to create awareness about what we do in order to uh, create appreciation for what we do. And then in order to create ambassadors that are going to help us to, uh, uh, to create enabling conditions for design to, uh, uh, to do uh, the best job they can do. So education about de design is a never-ending story, uh, particularly uh, where you have a, a lot of turnover in uh, senior leaders in, in big companies. Uh, uh, that will be always on your, on your, on your charter. Uh, and then um, the last one that I, I always refer to is um, uh, being a corporate rebel. Uh, and then I add with that, uh, with purpose. So um, designers, I think, and, and my designers are tasked to uh, really think outside of the box and, and, and bring uh, thinking that is going beyond the obvious. Uh, it's going into uh, uh, not the 100%, but the 150%. And if, if we're not stretching our thinking and, and bring the unexpected, we will never have a discussion about where the future could go. And so, uh, so I think uh, that is one of the roles that I like to do, uh, challenge uh, the status quo. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the way I look at it is, is that if we go into a meeting and, and offer, um, uh, say, say uh, new creative directions or solutions, uh, then you want to have somewhat of a kind of an, um, an, a resistance and, and feel of discomfort with your business partners, because then you know you have stretched uh, far enough 
to have at least a discussion of where you want to be uh, on the scale of uh, of disruption. And so, uh, so that is a, a, a summary of, of of my role. And then I would say I focus on three areas. Of course, if you want to put design at the heart of the company and elevate design in a company, you have to do a lot of of things uh, organizationally, where you have to think about the governance and creative leadership and talent management. You have to do a lot of operational things where you have an accountability and you have to drive efficiency and quality of, of the work that you deliver. And then, of course, culturally, there's a lot of things to do there as well. And so you have uh, the diversity challenge that I just mentioned, but also the way we apply empathy and, uh, and the value systems that we have as a creative um, organization is extremely important uh, to be successful uh, in scaling creativity in an enterprise. So there is a lot to unpack here. Let's maybe start by just um, seeing what is your favorite part of this job? Well, at the most favorable is uh, building my team and um, uh, managing and coaching and, uh, and guiding my team uh, 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 to, to another level. And so uh, that is actually what I would summarize as driving design excellence. And, and the excellence of design and creativity can only be happening by the people that are a part of your team. And uh, so uh, you uh, you need to create a culture of learning and allowing making mistakes and uh, and uh, and um, say experimentation and exploration that I think is the most fun part of the of the job. Uh, um, it, it is um, um, uh, getting maybe your vision uh, out of your your brain and make it very actionable and amplify it through a larger team. Mm. Can you give us some concrete examples how you do that at 3M? Well, um, uh, there's all kinds of different ways we do it, but uh, one of the ways we do is we have all kinds of uh, platforms um, where we uh, share uh, new uh, uh, thinking or where we align with our leadership team on, on vision and strategy. So this is all about engagement across all the levels of your organization. Uh, the other one is that we, um, we have uh, platforms where we share best practices, but also learning learnings from projects uh, in order to make sure that we uh, that we um, um, give everybody the opportunity uh, to uh, to share uh, which is important i think um, um, and then um, uh, what i do a lot as well is uh, I'm, I'm coaching uh, not only design leaders but also business leaders uh, on uh, on uh, just leadership uh, because of my fast experience in many different roles in business as well as in design uh, is uh, is a pretty unique and outside in for the company and 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 therefore i, I enjoy a lot uh, to uh, to mentor people uh, of which is a great opportunity for uh, for myself to learn as well yeah you mentioned educating even when i first asked you about your role as a chief designer officer so educating being a really important part of your role so what are the specific things that you teach to business leaders versus the design leaders? You know, what's lacking in the business community versus design community? Well, if you think about um, uh, the business leaders to start first, uh, is um, you continuously uh, uh, educate what design is about, uh, that it is not about engineering, uh, that it is uh, linked to engineering and that, that it is linked to marketing, um, um, but that uh, uh, the best work uh, comes from a, a collaboration across the different functions. Um, uh, and then you have to educate about how to work together. 
Um, um, then uh, another thing I think which is extremely important is I see many big companies um, uh, have a, a difficulty in managing creativity at large. And, and how does that work? Um, uh, it works that uh, uh, if we need to come up with an, a solution or a new product or an, um, a new service, we, uh, we go uh, uh, and use uh, uh, workshops to come up with a lot of ideas. And then I always ask myself and the team the question, what are we going to do with all these ideas? And so you apply creativity and, and design thinking to, uh, to come up with great ideas. But uh, how to select the idea is, is, is what is important and, and can only be done if you have a strong strategy and a vision and uh, your insights, research and customer knowledge uh, available on the table uh, to, uh, to use as criteria to select the best idea. And I see still many companies where the best idea is selected by the highest in hierarchy and based on personal, uh, pers personal interest. And, uh, and that's not good enough anymore, in my opinion, uh, because we're not making what the designers like or what the business leaders like. We need to make what we have uh, found out that um, is appreciated by our customers and by our stakeholders. Uh, and therefore, uh, we are not making things that fit personal opinions and flavor and, and appreciation. Uh, and, and I think uh, the management of a creative process is a capability. And I think uh, that is very uh, misunderstood because um, in many cases, um, you know, creativity is with all. I agree with that. It's not solely owned by designers. Uh, but, uh, you know, to manage, manage the process to come to a good solutions, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, craftsmanship and knowledge and experience needed in order to guide a process like that in, in the right way. So that's one of the things I think is important to educate. Uh, if you go to the designers, I think um, it is, um, uh, in many cases, uh, designers have a, a tendency that uh, they have the most uh, uh, break, uh, breaking um, ideas uh, that will change the world. But um, if you think uh, into a company context, you, uh, you need to be able to, um, uh, to identify value in an appropriate way, to develop value in an appropriate way, and to deliver that value in an appropriate way. And so in that uh, continuum of uh, the value creation, there is a lot of complexity coming in from manufacturing, from engineering, from uh, uh, the business, uh, business case building, that um, you know we have experts as well in the business that we need to um, um, uh, appreciate uh, their knowledge to help us together to come up with the best uh, uh, solutions that make sense and that are scalable. And so if, if uh, I, I sometimes uh, uh, challenge the design world by saying, well, uh, we're so proud on the fact that we, have, uh, that we are very empathetic and that's why we can uh, do great, uh, 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 come up with great solutions and suggestions for customers uh, and users. Uh, but um, if designers would use that same empathy to better connect to the other functions in a company, I think design would be much more uh, successful. And that's one of the things that I try to do in my practice is um, to use my same empathy to, um, uh, to understand what uh, my fellows in the business um, need to manage and what, what their uh, say main interests and challenges are in order to work together in a collaborative way to, um, 
to solve uh, these things in, a, in an appropriate way. And so when I came into the company, I introduced uh, the theme uh, collaborative creativity, uh, which is telling for me everything of what I do from day one. And that is, uh, you know, we, we're adding creativity to the company, which is pretty new uh, when I started. Uh, and uh, and uh, hey, we're not going to do it on ourselves uh, in an ivory tower. We are we are uh, going to work uh, across functions uh, very hard together. Yes, speaking specifically about this uh, shape of the team or who is in the team when you're developing new breakthrough ideas, you were mentioning that for design, it's very important to also think about business cases and about the engineering and all of that stuff. Does that mean that you work in cross-functional teams like? Like, how does this whole thing work in terms of the workflow uh, of design teams? Yeah, so what I see, if uh, functions in general ask themselves uh, whether they are uh, effective and not and how they can drive uh, to another level of excellence, I see a mistake uh, happening uh, that I, I, I don't appreciate. And that is they are going to add elements of other functions to their function. So uh, I'll give you an example to make R&D more um, uh, effective. Uh, maybe you add designers to R&D or uh, maybe uh, communicators or uh, marketeers. Uh, and so I think, uh, and, and you see the same in, in design as well. Uh, you have engineers as part of your team and you, have, you can have MBAers as part of your team. And they can help, of course, to uh, liaison, but they should not replace the expertise of the other functions. And I think what we see happening here is that uh, these functions make one mistake, and that is they try to avoid true collaboration by adding these functions to their own entity, and then they think they can become self-foreseeing in all the elements that they need to cover. And I think the simple answer is, hey, you have to, uh, I like to uh, to be uh, focusing on driving that design excellence mainly. And then the other thing is my task is to make sure I interface in an appropriate way with all the other functions to do uh, uh, an excellent job. And so it's not easy uh, to uh, collaborate sometimes across the functions. But uh, in my opinion, that's the only way to drive progress. Uh, how does the design team then work with, let's say, engineering or other functions? Well, we, we have an innovation process. And in that innovation process, we, um, we will make sure that, um, and branding processes, that uh, uh, we are uh, indeed involved in the project at the right moment in time to, uh, to contribute and uh, work together in a collaborative way uh, to drive this program. Uh, first of all, all uh, to identify the value. Uh, and that means we rerun uh, user research, we um, do and take uh, technology trends and um, customer trends and uh, social cultural trends into account. And then we have great ideas and then we have to build a value proposition around it. And then when that is done, we need to work with engineering and manufacturing uh, and our partners in business to uh, make sure that we are able to, to make the product and, 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 and get it uh, uh, say functional. And then, uh, and then, of course, we have to ship it to the marketplace, which we have to deliver that, uh, that solution where you work with marketing and marketing communications uh, to make sure that we... Uh, we, uh, we uh, secure the intent of the design in an appropriate way and start to deliver that value uh, through where design is a a big component in but not the only one uh, where you uh, you 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 work together across these functions to uh, to successfully deliver the value into the marketplace Uh, you know designers are very much focused on the 
front uh, front end of the of the innovation process because that's what they like to do. And then when they have delivered their design, they move on to the next project. But uh, after the delivery of the design, there's so many more things that can make or break the success of a product that uh, designers uh, somewhat need to be involved. Uh, and, uh, and particularly if it comes down to driving the consistency of a brand. So uh, yeah, in my case, um, my designers are involved to make sure that uh, until we deliver that uh, value in the marketplace or in the shop, uh, if it comes down to consumer products, we, uh, we are involved to, to make sure that the story that we tell through our products and services and solutions is 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 recognized as as one from uh, from 3M. Another thing you mentioned previously is um, that what you try to avoid is when educating business people is you're avoiding decisions based on opinions or the highest paid person, right? Just based based on their taste. How do you make sure, or what kind of data do you use that these decisions, what you develop? what products get to the market are based on uh, what customers really want. Is it just customer research or is it like, you know, uh, qualitative interviews or is it more wide market, secondary research, uh, certain tests with statistical significance, et cetera? It's, it's all in the above because uh, uh, I think um, uh, there's not one source that will give you uh, the answer. Uh, and also the risks are too high for a company of, of our size that if you rely on one source, uh, maybe that's not good enough. So you you want to make sure that you have a, a, a variety of, uh, of of insights. Uh, but it goes uh, uh, through all the, the ones that you mentioned, from uh, 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 customer insights research to um, observation to uh, um, uh, data that we get through um, um, uh, our customers or, or uh, yeah, our customers uh, um, in terms of um, uh, feedback that we get. Uh, our customer service. So there's all kind of, of elements that you can tap into in order to um, make a new product, but, but, uh, but, but I think, or improve a product. But I think it is more important um, what kind of process you are in. Uh, because if you make an, a successor of a successor, you need complete different data and you can, you can run the show with, a, with another set of data. And if you talk about uh, creating a vision for the future, where you go five to 10 years out. And I think um, uh, this was one of my, uh, previous roles at uh, my my uh, previous uh, company, where I run an agency uh, and consultancy uh, uh, for ten years, that was mainly focusing on delivering uh, premium uh, design uh, projects to the Fortune top hundred uh, on uh, creating visions of the future, and and so there is where you change from customer insights to foresighting, which is a complete different uh, uh, activity. And uh, and um, and so uh, in that practice, I had a team of uh, 40 people with MBAs and advanced designers and sociologists and anthropologists to uh, to do research in a completely different way. Um, uh, so yeah, it depends on on where what kind of uh, contribution you suppose uh, to give uh, to to what kind of uh, of innovation process from uh, breakthrough from um, um, uh, incremental to adjacent to breakthrough innovation. So how do you do this research going from just the customer insights to maybe more foresight, uh, 10, 20 year out um, innovation plans? Well, what you do is you uh, take, um, uh, you do trans research. And those trans research are, again, uh, uh, linked to different uh, dimensions. It's uh, social, cultural, it's uh, uh, political, economical, 
uh, it's not what we do only. We work together with our strategy team and uh, and the business teams as well. Uh, you do market research uh, about market sizing, uh, you, ethnographic research. So there's a, a lot of research that is available um, that uh, is uh, actually what I refer to very often is you 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 probe the future. Nobody has the fortune telling globe on their tables, and we don't know what the future is. But you can extrapolate, and you can do a lot of qualitative qualitative research to come up with an uh, an hypothesis about uh, scenarios for the future. And so, if nobody is creating these scenarios, there's nothing to talk about uh, and to ev- evaluate about. And so, uh, I think um, what um, these design leaders uh, could have a bit more is imagination, because you need imagination to come up with these scenarios vision and imag- imagination and creativity and so uh, that's what we use as designers uh, to um, to to, to um, uh, say uh, synthesize all of that information because the research research data in itself there's no value in there it, it is how you apply it and how you connect the dots across all of that and if you do that research in, in an appropriate way um, you come up with a few scenarios and then those scenarios you can visualize or you can uh, create videos around or storytelling around. Uh, and, and you can do that quick and dirty with a simple, uh, say, uh, fast prototyping if you need to, uh, to uh, say, demonstrate a kind of an, uh, of an experience around a value proposition. And then you can have a dialogue with the main stakeholders in a business or investors and say, okay, uh, what do we have, he- what we have here proposed? How, how would we evaluate this into the future? And, uh, and then you have a dialogue about it. And then you, you learn that uh, depending on what kind of organization you work for and what the ambitions of that organization is, you are able to, um, uh, uh, to uh, come to consensus on, on certain scenarios that will not work out and are not attractive. And some of them are attractive. And then uh, I'm a strong believer that, believer that if you take the ownership about the future, you can make the future. So if you then start to, uh, to work more on these ideas, and iterate with the community uh, about the, these ideas as well, you can see that you, uh, you, you, you drive uh, 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 progress in a different way. So this is a very advanced way of, uh, of, of design. And um, I have not practiced a lot yet in 3M because when I came into 3M, we still had to build the foundation for, uh, say, the traditional act of design uh, linked to, um, say, marketing and branding. Uh, which we are still uh, 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 sophisticating at the moment. Mm. Yeah, we mentioned branding a few times, and I read that once you joined the 3M, one of the big projects you talk, took on is uh, a rebrand of 3M. So could you expand a little bit in this and explain us what did you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, first of all, I collaborated uh, to get this huge project uh, going. Uh, and started to talk about it actually in my first days. Uh, so when I came into the company in 2013, my observation was that, um, you know, the company was only uh, uh, entered the top 100 brands two years before. And I, th- I asked questions about this with the CEO and the uh, operating committee and say, hey, why, why is that? Because we are a hundred years, more than a hundred years old company and we only entered into the top 100 brands uh, two years ago. I would expect us to be on there for many, many more years. And so I asked the question, what did you do to get yourself on that list? 
And then we moved up a few positions in the in the two years following, which was before I, I joined. And I asked, what did you do to get you up to the list? And so the, the reaction I got was like, we don't know. It, was, it happened to them. And, and so I said, well, maybe follow the leader, because if we have an orchestrated way in, um, in, uh, in driving this, uh, I think I can double the brand value and the brand equity of the company in, in five years. And so with that kind of attitude, I started to en engage and socialize around that idea because one of the ideas uh, that I saw as well, or one of the observations I had was that I think we needed to do and um, put more attention on uh, what I would call humanizing technology. And so we're a heavy technology company, but in the end, uh, you know, it's not a, about the technology. The technology is an enabler, in my opinion. It's very much about uh, what is the impact that we can drive through technology. And so this is about impact to people, you know? And so with, that in mind, I started to engage with the marketing team and with the design team and with the um, CMO of the company. And uh, hey, we were so lucky that we were um, uh, uh, founding a kind of a space that we felt we need to drive both together. And so we started to become uh, partners in crime here. And uh, we're dr driving all of this in a, in a period of nine months and came up with a new uh, uh, brand platform, which is called Science Applied to Life, which is very authentic to, uh, to 3M. And then we, um, we uh, introduced a new corporate identity, which was for the first time in the history. And, uh, and, and we, we introduced this. And so um, very exciting. Uh, that was when I was maybe a bit more than uh, two, after two years. So exactly after two years uh, in the company, and it took us one year to um, uh, to drive this, so it costed me one year to socialize on this uh, this a bigger idea, um, and um, and all the rest is history. Because since then, uh, if you look now to the interbrand ranking, we are now on position sixty, and we are uh, roughly around uh, uh, five. Uh, what is it? Nine billion brand equity, and when I started, the company was at five billion. So uh, so we almost doubled uh, in five years that brand equity, and uh, and uh, and so there, we can still. I think drive much more there. Um, I remember when we started to have a dialogue around that, um, say, uh, brand platform, science applied to life. The first thing I mentioned to the team is uh, let's not use the word innovation in any brand platform because, you know, innovation is diluted. Nobody knows anymore what we mean exactly. It has so many different dimensions. Uh, uh, and it was a kind of, um, of, an, of an, uh, an, an easy win for the company to uh, to put innovation in there, but uh, I'm more happier with with what we have now uh, because it's so authentic. And uh, we apply uh, we apply science to life already for hundred years, so there's many great stories uh, that you can tap into uh, on, on on who we are and, and what uh, our purpose is. So you talked about the great results of a rebrand and how much also the value of the 3M brand uh, went up. Um, what what's kind of hidden beneath the the soil is you know how once you define a brand what what does it change for a business so can you share with us like after you came up with the results of a brand what were the effects it had on the business you know how did it show in the products how did it show in marketing and other departments well the way the way i refer to it is, is that uh, the brand is a sort of a lighthouse for a company so it shows the way we, normally we have a vision that is doing all of that, but the brand as well. The brand is more the qualitative way to talk about your company. 
and the way you uh, emotionally interact and connect with your audiences. And that's different from a vision, which is you, the way you talk about your company and the, the way you rationalize uh, uh, what your company could be into the future or, or should be. And I think uh, that's what the power of brand is, where you can uh, use a brand as a lighthouse to drive uh, the qualitative uh, relationship with with audiences. And I, I, I remember when um, <clears throat> Interbrand, um, uh, say, uh, uh, started to report their uh, global top 100 brands ranking in 2015, uh, directly after we uh, introduced the new brand platform, uh, 3M was one of the top risers. Uh, so we were, were amongst the top 10 risers uh, in that year. And, uh, and what they wrote an article about it, and they said something like, um, you know, if you, if you take a glance at the uh, top 10 uh, best global brands, which is where the Amazons and the Apples uh, are in, uh, they are all uh, design-led brands. Uh, and the same can be said about those top risers as well. And, uh, and then they've, they've, they continue and say, it doesn't mean that those brands are, are the most stylistically beautiful brands, although many are, and it doesn't mean uh, they are brands that uh, care only about design and form factors and technology. What they share is far more fundamental. They elevated the role of design in the enterprise. And I think this, this summarizes it, it all. Design is, is a big concept, in my opinion. It's not about having... Um, a team of uh, uh, creatives in a corner uh, uh, having a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. It's actually changing the mindset and the approach of a company. It, it is how the company works in the end. And so uh, when I started to uh, add design to the company, that was a bit my philosophy that if you want to drive uh, innovation and design and customer experience, these are huge concepts for any enterprise and not easy to change if you uh, if the mindset is not there and so that's the way i see my role in many cases is that you uh, you are a change agent uh, to some extent uh, uh, because it's all about approach and mindset my guess is that as a cdo you have a few metrics that you have to share or measure about the design team at 3m you know one of them was as you said yourself the value of brand etc so I'm just curious, like, what are the metrics through which you measure the value of design? Uh, there's only one, and that is progress. And I'm, I'm very simple and outspoken on this. I see so many studies uh, about the value of design. And uh, I always have the feeling, if I read them, that it is us talking, talking to ourselves to, um, to create more confidence uh, that we... Sh- uh, that we um, should uh, appreciate uh, what we do and that we can talk maybe with more confidence about it. And I think um, it's not needed. Uh, it's, I get that question when I got in the first couple of weeks all the time. And they, uh, they, uh, uh, I got was new, a, a designer, creative from outside of the company and even from outside of the U.S. and uh, new to the company. And they, they, uh, I had all of these big ideas and then people started to... Uh, to ask me about, hey, uh, well, tell me, how do you measure the success of design and what is the value of design? And so, you know what it, what it does? It puts you in the justification mode. And so I had also always a very uh, uh, straightforward answer. And I said, well, if it would be a marketing uh, guy or an, an R&D guy, I said, well, 
actually we measure the value of a design the same way you measure the value of your function. Tell me, how do you measure the value of your function? And then you get a very, um, uh, you know, wishy-washy answer where they have uh, all kinds of uh, 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 metrics that doesn't really measure the value of what their function is doing. And so uh, my conclusion was always saying, guys, you know, we are so busy to explain to each other how important we are for, uh, for a company, uh, but, we, but we forget to work together in order to drive uh, progress for the company at large. And so I see that happening in many different companies where the R&D guys uh, try to get access to investments uh, uh, in a better way and more than maybe the marketeers or the designers. And so that's a kind of an, uh, of us talking to ourselves. And, uh, and so I, I don't like that so much. So the way I do it is a show, don't tell. So we have uh, tons of projects that, um, uh, of course, we, 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 we monitor with the business what the impact of those projects are. And then we, we use these best cases all over the place to inspire people. And I, I use the principle of Design inspires design. So if you do good design, you know, the results can be pretty inspiring. And I have one great example. Uh, uh, last year, we, we won a golden award uh, uh, for the DMI, the Design Value Award. And this was about a project we did for uh, healthcare information systems. So 3M is very big in health, healthcare information systems. And what we do is we, um, we give uh, actionable insights to healthcare providers for saving time and improving the quality of their patient care. And so this is an, a software package and we designed uh, and, and did a lot in the designing of that uh, to make it more intuitive and more effective. And so what we did is after the, 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 the study and the, the design concepts, we went into a pilot study of 10 hospitals with our, our solution. And, uh, and our product was able to uncover cost savings opportunities of a totaling of 1 billion in those 10 hospitals. You know, these are numbers that really count and show about the impact of what design can have together with the other partners, because it is not design only, it is the software engineers and it is the, the healthcare experts that we work with and our customers and the hospitals and partners. But, but these are, are remarkable results that, uh, you know, show huge impact of design every day. And I have many more examples. Then a lot of your job is sharing these stories in the organization, I guess, towards business leaders and towards designers, right? Um, do you have maybe another story that you could share with us? Because that's really fascinating to hear. Uh, well, uh, stories are sometimes uh, smaller, but um, one great story that I like a, a lot and is very much linked to um, uh, to how we tell our story Uh so um, if you think about uh, science applied to life, um, I, um, I started to connect these three things when I, I, I needed to have, uh, uh, and I was in the process of uh, getting an investment going for our new design center here on campus. Uh, and, um, and so um, uh, I started to connect this and I said, well, if you think about science, then, um, you know, this is linked to our R&D capabilities and the facilities that we have, and we have top-notch uh, R&D centers around the world. And so uh, I mentioned uh, to the senior management, you know, we are covered on, on all of that. And then if you go to the ap applied to life, particularly the life part, we have uh, over 55 innovation centers around the world where we engage uh, annually with over 350,000 customers to tap into their brains and, 
uh, and their insights uh, that help us to innovate continuously and to do a good job for them. And, uh, and so I said, well, we covered on, on that one as well. And then I said, applied too. And I said, hey, there's, there's something missing here. And this was the design center. So I said, design is all about making an, a meaningful and relevant translation of our technologies to our customers. And that's where you need to have designers. And yeah, designers need, need a design center because uh, they have a, a workplace where creativity and collaboration is, 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 uh, needs to be enabled. And so, so that's the way I started to uh, to talk about uh, the our uh, uh, design centers, and um, and then as part of that, I was also uh, tying in the story on our innovation centers. And so I was traveling around the world and saw these innovation centers, and they were all based on a different concept and a different narrative, and um, the storytelling was different. And I think um, what we learned by research is they were putting things forward in the, in the storytelling that were not uh, uh, first in mind of, of the people that, uh, uh, say, visit these innovation centers. And so I started a project that came up with um, the, um, uh, a, new, a new narrative and storytelling and a new approach where we, we were moving the philosophy around our innovation centers more from sharing the scale of our things, products, to sharing the scale of our thinking as a company and how we can be a strategic partner to many other companies because we are 85% in a B2B business. And so we created a whole new narrative around it, created an innovation center first pilot in Washington, which was very successful. And then um, I was asked to build a team around uh, uh, the building of our uh, and refreshment of our innovation centers around the world. And in the meantime, we have uh, um, uh, realized another five, six uh, innovation centers uh, all coming from the same story. And, uh, and uh, I, I sometimes said, well, why can't we have one McDonald's shop around the world? And so we are building that as we speak. Uh, but uh, the advantage of it is, uh, and here's uh, where you can uh, offer design and design thinking to a company to drive efficiency and consistency, is we use the same assets and reuse a lot of the assets of these innovation centers. And uh, by doing so, we are learning fast, and so we are able to deliver these innovation centers in a shorter time frame and at lower cost, dramatically lower cost. And so this is great for our brand because we create more consistency in our storytelling and, and the way we manifest ourselves, but we do it in a very efficient way for the company as well. And so, uh, so that's another great story. So you mentioned the design center that you built um in uh, minneapolis right so can you tell us a little bit more about this design center like what was the purpose of building it like is this the place where only designers work and then they cross pollinate with other departments or is it the place where the whole company comes together when they need to design something new and what was the thinking behind this move and this investment yeah so uh when i came on board we had uh, maybe uh, around 20 designers and mainly uh, very scattered and very much focused on uh, one of our businesses, which is the consumer business, which was only 15% of our of our total size of the company. So I needed to come up with a story on uh, uh, how design is relevant and impactful uh, to a B2B environment. And I use always the, uh, the example there that, you know, I think even in B2B, design is more important and more appropriate. Why? Because the complexity goes up, because you have to deal with multiple stakeholders. And think about a uh, healthcare solution. You need to uh, uh, design for 
the patient and the family of the patient and the clinician and the doctor and the nurse and the managing director of a hospital that, hospital that has an, an, an interest as well. Uh, and so that is complex. And that means you need to use design thinking and creativity to, um, to come up with the, the, the right solution. Uh, well, if you think about these designers, um, I think design is still in many cases in a vulnerable state in companies. And so um, when the company started to uh, say uh, discover the value of design and creativity, it was very much used in the traditional way. You know, oh, uh, we need to have somebody that can add outside of the box thinking, design thinking, and can help us to visualize ideas and make great products uh, and, and make beautiful products. That was a bit like the traditional way of thinking about design. That, that's very much design as a service, uh, the way I describe this, and not so much design as a strategy. And so there is huge differences between the two uh, because uh, in terms of um, creating value, for instance, um, you are in a complete different uh, uh, mindset uh, if you uh, design as a service, it, it's more cost-driven, it's more project by project ad hoc. Uh, it's very much focused on the stylistic parts of, uh, of things and it's very often an afterthought. And it gives an, uh, also a fragmented market presence in the end. If you think about design as a strategy, which we want to do, and you talk about value creation, you talk about portfolio approaches, you talk about uh, the application of strategic design and front-end collaboration. And of course, you talk about improved value propositions. So it's more about holistic offerings. Well, you can only do that uh, if you sit together, in my opinion, in, in one space. Because if you have one designer in an engineering department or a marketing department, I can tell you what is going to happen. I have experienced it. As soon as these designers start to think outside of the box, there's always a, a couple of people that look over your shoulder to tell you that, uh, what you do doesn't make sense. They have tried it uh, already before. Well, and all at the above. So uh, it is good to have an, a space, a safe space, where designers can experiment, where you have a lot of cross-pollination going on, and where you have uh, the sometimes uh, 10, 20 different capabilities of design work together to, uh, to prepare uh, uh, concepts and uh, propositions uh, uh, to present to the business before you even involve a business in some cases. Sometimes you do. So my design center is uh, a, a, a space now. We have now uh, roughly around 175 uh, designers around the world, and we have five design centers around the world. So we built one in India, in um, uh, China, in uh, Japan. Uh, we have a, 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 a smaller hub in Korea, in Milan, and then we have uh, St. Paul, which is the, the headquarters of design. because most of the development is happening uh, in our headquarters. And so what is the, the purpose of that space is, uh, first of all, we want to have an inspirational workspace that attract new design talents. Uh, I always say, you know, uh, um, scientists need laboratories, administrative people need offices, and designers need a design studio and a design center, which is based on, on, on a different value system and is, is, is a bit, maybe a bit more playful, is open, is uh, stimulating uh, collaboration. It's, it's, it's a different way. Uh, the way we, I have designed the design space is very much uh, based on a kind of a living room principle. Uh, you know, you feel at home. And if you feel at home, you, you're easier to open up on creativity. Uh, and you are easier uh, to, uh, you're less vulnerable uh, uh, to, uh, to come up with new ideas. 
by the way, you need to think that uh, the act of design is a very vulnerable, uh, you're in a very vulnerable position. Now you come up with these new ideas and, and anybody can come along and shoot your ideas down. And, and hey, these are sometimes like little babies and you feel personally uh, connected to it. And so uh, we need to have that safe space. Uh, then, uh, of course, it is the co-location of, of design for cross-fertilization and uh, across the multidisciplines of, of design. Um, we have also uh, diverse uh, design and brand lab spaces. So I started to introduce the concept of a brand lab uh, because we had uh, all kinds of laboratories in the company. But uh, I wanted to have uh, momentum around some of our iconic brands uh, because having an, a brand up and running is very uh, interesting. But to keep it relevant and meaningful over time, that is the hard job. And so we have brand labs where we... Uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, the, the look and the feel of that brand in uh, in that space, and we work continuously together with all stakeholders to keep that brand uh, updated. And then, uh, of course, it is a creative collaborative space uh, to accommodate also outside-in innovation engagement. So I have the front of the house and the back of the house. Uh, so the back of the house is, uh, is 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 protected. You cannot go in if you're not one of the design team, and of course you can in. Uh, come in uh, as uh, uh, collaborators uh, from within the company. Uh, and then um, we have in the front of the space, a uh, creative spaces that is available to anybody, uh, partners, business people, uh, uh, whoever wants to make use of these spaces. Uh, and that is to create momentum uh, and traction uh, to the design center to, uh, to introduce uh, uh, people to the, to the concept of creativity and design. Uh, the great thing is that um, when I started to work to uh, to share my vision about this space, uh, it was not easy to find an, uh, an an interior architect that was able to translate this, and so I started to uh, design the whole space uh, by myself with my team. Uh, so there's uh, many projects done by my team uh, designed, and so I say always that uh, our design center is uh, created by our designers for our designers. And so uh, that's the beauty of our space. And the best compliment I got was uh, two, actually. One was uh, a couple of my designers told me they feel more at home in the design center than at home. So uh, I don't know whether that tells a lot about their homes, but at least that's a good place to be. And one of the seniors told me, he said, well, the space is so authentic, uh, yet uh, innovative for, for 3M, that, uh, that they felt that it was, a, it was a good match. And I'm very proud on this because um, this was the first floor of a building uh, that we needed to uh, to refurbish uh, because uh, it was an older building and uh, need to uh, we needed to bring this up to code again uh, and um, and so the design center has inspired the whole building to be uh, in, a, in a kind of an a, a, a same style uh, although a bit different uh, it has a bit more cubicles but uh, but still the whole style of the the way uh, the materials are used and the philosophy um, is, is now through the whole building. And this building is now completed uh, as we speak, uh, six floors, uh, which is amazing to see um, uh, this beautiful uh, new building uh, uh, fully inspired by the design of the design center. And then we have, uh, based on the same principles, uh, the design centers in uh, several places in the world. Yeah, so yes. in preparation for this conversation, I looked up the design center and it looks really amazing. So I'll put some uh, photos, some images also on the website for listeners to have a look at. It's really inspiring. It just, as you said yourself, like designers need this studio space to feel at home. Uh, it's great what you've done. I know that our time is running up. So I wanted to ask you one last question. 
um, more practical. Like, if you do, you have an advice for a designer that is kind of running, that is maybe the most senior designer in their company, but their company is not as large as yours. You know, it's maybe like a startup that's growing, and it's a uh, maybe thirty people, and it's just one or two designers. An advice for them in terms of how can they show better the value of design? How can they, how, how should they speak to business leaders in their company to show more of that value? So we talked about the progress and the stories before. Is there anything specific in terms of their size that they can do if they don't have these stories yet? Yeah. So uh, uh, I've learned that uh, uh, many different uh, uh, say business activities need uh, dedicated design approaches. And so when I came from my previous company to here, I didn't just copy the approach uh, because it was not appropriate. The context and the dynamics was different and the challenges were different and the maturity was different. Now, I worked also a lot for startups and uh, you know the challenge you have in a startup is to attract investors. And so you have to go from stage gate to stage gate in a very uh, efficient way to make sure that uh, you do the right things. And so sometimes it's not appropriate to talk about bigger concepts of uh, brand and brand experience because you still have to prove the value of, of an uh, of an uh, technology conversion in many cases uh, to, to, to a solution that you have in mind. By the way, many of these startups are very much not product oriented, but very much uh, service oriented. And so, um, <clears throat> I think uh, the way to do uh, a good design is, um, you know, design for me is very much about uh, uh, representing the customer in the end in the most appropriate way. And so I think you should talk all the time customer because uh, uh, the startups, there's a lot of focus on the technology. Uh, and then um, uh, I think show your value by, uh, by thinking outside of the box and bringing in uh, unexpected thinking uh, to drive uh, uh, the progress for, for a startup or for a smaller company. Uh, you know, the scale of impact is of a different nature, but still, uh, I always like to use that progress thing because we can have very advanced uh, metrics, but sometimes you're not in the position to uh, to even get the metrics because it doesn't, it's not relevant in the size you work for because metrics is in many cases to mitigate risk uh, as well and, 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 and uh, uh, enable, enable success. So I think that um, you can um, uh, get a lot of inspiration uh, through um, uh, looking over your shoulder uh, after a quarter or after a, a year and show and be very specific about the progress that is created, that that progress is good to call that out. Uh, um, uh, the other thing is, I think it is, um, the, um, it is the storytelling, the imagination and the creativity that we bring to the table that uh, in, if, if, it, if it is done in the right way, in a collaborative way, uh, actually, the success of design is also its enemy because you cannot pinpoint to the sole contribution of design anymore and designers anymore. And so we should realize that. And therefore, for me, uh, don't let yourself go into justifying why you're at the table. Uh, that's what they tried to do to me as well. And I said to, to the CEO at a certain moment in time, hey, uh, the guys, you hired me to drive design for the company, so I'm not here to justify my existence all the time. And so I think that's what happens in, in a startup as well. If, if you're hired as a designer, get over it in justifying all the time you're, why you're there. You know, just accept it and, and, and start to collaborate to create the best value. And I think 
sometimes, um, um, you know, um, uh, what I call fearless leadership is needed with uh, many designers. And I coach many of my designers about that uh, to, um, to, to make sure that you drive design in an appropriate way and are not put in the position to explain all the time why you are at the table and why people have hired you because it's their own decision. I think maybe the challenge that others have is that they are not hired at the table yet. You know, they need to get there. And that's why I think we as a community feel this pressure to show our value to get there, you know, to get to the table. Because once you're there, maybe you don't have this feeling of justifying all the time anymore. But to get there, I think you have this urge to 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 just maybe we're too eager maybe we're too eager and therefore we are we are uh, creating certain pitfalls uh, uh, to ourselves and i think um, uh, running around with an attitude that it isn't obvious that design is at the table will ease up a lot of things and then gives you another confidence in uh, in uh, in having your dialogue with your inst- internal stakeholders uh, i think that's an um, and a uh, philosophy that I use. And by the way, when I was hired in the company, it was totally not a given that design had a seat at the table. Uh, I had to re-educate the company on the concept of design. Uh, I had to uh, come up with a vision uh, on the design going forward. And I uh, was talking about big concepts in relation to innovation and brand, which was uh, uh, totally not an obvious for the company because uh, they were very successful uh, without uh, having design for many, many years. And so uh, I think, um, yeah, the, the fearless leadership thing is, is important for me. Uh, have confidence in what design is doing. And uh, hey, I, I have to admit, I had a few years to practice all of this. And uh, my experience helped to, uh, to disagree and say no in order to drive progress. So basically, we should act as we belong there and then we will belong there, right? Yeah, it's make your, create your own uh, uh, destiny and, uh, by having the confidence that we need to be there. Cool. Thanks a lot, Eric, for all of these great um, stories, the experience you shared with us and the tips you gave us. Uh, I think I definitely appreciate it. And I think all of our listeners definitely appreciate it, the time you took to share all of this with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Cool. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Eric. If you have any comments um, or questions to this episode, just find me on LinkedIn and we can have a discussion around this too. And again, I want to invite you to join us in the upcoming DMBA, which is starting on February 24th. So if you want to raise your business literacy, understand better how businesses work, how you can change business models, how you can use metrics for progress, etc., you can check out the program on beyondusers.com slash DMBA and apply on beyondusers.com slash apply.